Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, Episode 90, Allison Shapker Interview. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's Mike and Dave with you here once again, and we've got an interview edition of the podcast for Altered Carbon, which is coming to Netflix on February 27th. It's been a long time since season one aired, and there's lots of changes in store, right, Dave? So we were very happy that the new showrunner was gonna is, was uh, willing to come and talk to us about it and tease it a little bit for those of our listeners who are planning on checking it out. Yeah, and it's such a creative show. I mean, it's it's different than so many other sci-fi offerings, and and there's a lot of great sci-fi offering out there. Obviously, don't get me wrong, but she's teasing a lot of season two. There not going to be any spoilers. Doesn't get into any specific details. But that said, she told us a lot. Yeah, she did a great job with our our questions that were kind of oblique at sometimes and maybe trying to tease things out of her at other times. But we really wanted to know a lot about, you know, different aspects of the adaptation aspect of the show, some of the new cast members that are coming on. And she was very forthcoming about that. So if you're not familiar with this, uh, hopefully you've gotten a chance to check out season one on Netflix. Altered Carbon is, of course, the adaptation of the Richard K. Morgan cyberpunk novel of the same name. And Leta Calogridis was the creator and showrunner in season one. Allison Shapker took over the reins for season two, which was actually, like I said, no mean feat considering that practically the whole cast changed. But because of the nature of the story in which people can re-sleeve themselves into new bodies, perhaps it uh, lent itself well to that and she, she didn't have too much trouble, but it really allowed her to kind of reinvent the show in a way, but also keep some of the same themes. Now, we discovered, and Dave and I were very happy to talk to her about this, that Allison was on the writing staff for J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions and therefore was in the room for some of our favorite shows, including Alias, Lost, and Fringe. So she was very forthcoming about that and her experience with those shows, as well as what we can expect from Altered Carbon Season 2. But as we mentioned last week, this interview is completely spoiler-free for the story to come. So those of you who are checking out Altered Carbon should have no fear that she's going to spoil anything or that we will. Altered Carbon Season 2 drops its eight episodes on Thursday, February 27th on Netflix. So take a listen to our interview with Allison Shapker of Altered Carbon. Well, we are here with Allison Shapker, who is showrunning Altered Carbon Season 2 on Netflix. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, uh, Allison, just looking at your body of work, it's uh, it's just incredible for genre TV fans. I mean, you've executive produced on some of our favorite shows, Alias, Lost, Fringe, just to name three. And what did you take away from those experiences that you're carrying into your role as showrunner on Altered Carbon? 
Absolutely. Well, you know, I feel like coming up in the bad robot camp, which is where I really grew up at the beginning of my career, one of the things we always tried to do was come from a place of character, like live in a really exciting, mind-bending sci-fi world and embrace all the, the fun and bells and whistles of that and enjoy all the intellectual questions that come up, but really ground ourselves in, in human emotions. And, and I loved that about all, our, all those shows. And I felt like I was growing as a writer you know, I was on Alias and I was on Lost, and then by the time I got to Fringe, I felt like, you know, really was hitting my stride, and it was a it was a wonderful trajectory in terms of, you know, how to come up in the business. I was very lucky. Well, well, you know, because you were kind of on the cusp, cutting edge, I guess, uh, of the term showrunner. I mean, I guess JJ probably was one of the first, but you know, Damon and Carlton on Lost. And suddenly the showrunner is this figure every bit as large as the actors uh, themselves. Yeah, I feel like I watch showrunners kind of come out from behind the computer and then sort of turn into their own brands and, and, you know, come on to Jimmy Kimmel or, you know, suddenly (laughs) becoming faces with names and, you know, recognizable in that respect and, I've always sort of been a little shy about that, but, you know, maybe now is the time. I mean, but it's been, yes, I've watched that happen, and it's, you know, it's exciting to see. It's, it's lovely to, to feel like people are recognizing any time creativity is getting a shout-out. It's wonderful. And this is a great one to, to be the showrunner for because it's one of the most unique shows on television uh, in the cyberpunk arena. Right. What do you think is the biggest challenge of bringing this subgenre of sci-fi to the screen as opposed to, you know, post-apocalypse or, or space sci-fi, which seems to be more prevalent these days, but it, it would be equally as expensive, I would think. So what is it about cyberpunk that people shy away? Oh, it's a really good question. I mean, maybe it's the sheer tonnage of like technology or the sort of techno geek kind of stuff happening in it. But I felt like Altered Carbon did a good job of world building in a way that you could really understand what it meant to live in a world where consciousness was digitized and, and could move between bodies. And, you know, we specifically designed season two to, I don't know, like make the technology like accessible to people who are jumping in as new viewers and and let the questions of identity kind of come up through character. And hopefully what's great, it was the, the thrill of kind of cyberpunk and embracing that kind of world where, you know, new technologies allow for totally new storytelling. I don't know, that's, that's super fun for me as a writer. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the one thing about cyberpunk, you know, we don't, generally have the traditional hero and you know I, w- I wonder if that's part of it but uh you you do bring chris connor back for season two as the hotel ai poe so i mean the, the idea of providing some continuity for the fan base certainly had to be a concern i mean i, I would imagine that was a big topic of discussion well i think that's true i mean i think television is a medium where you know, over seasons, you almost become friends with the people who are on your screen or, or, you know, 
I think that's one of the great things of television. So to, to have anchor points of familiarity, that is important to me as a showrunner or a writer that we're telling a story that has some continuity. And then also, I just feel like the character of Poe is such a perfect foil to Kovach as a hero. So to keep them together, it felt like there was so much more story to tell between them. And then I thought the same way, too, about bringing Renee Elise Goldsberry back as Calchris Falconer, and William Lee is going to be making a return, who played, we, we refer to him as Birth Kovach in season one. So, yeah, like I, I love that there's like a continuity happening, but at the same time, I really enjoy the anthology sort of side of the series and that, you know, Kovach is in a new sleeve in season two and we have Anthony Mackie driving and then we're surrounded by all these other, you know, we're on a new planet. So we get new cast to round out the cast. I just thought we really assembled a powerhouse team of just amazing actors and terrific human beings. So I, I like that mix. Yeah, it's got a good mix. And I'm glad that Renee Elise Goldsberry is returning as Kel Christ Falconer. And it seems like the search for Kel is still central, as we would have guessed from the season one finale. Right. But was another element of that continuity we were just discussing also the fact that Kovach is solving another meth murder in a way? Yes. I mean, definitely one of the things we tried to build into season two was the sense of, okay, it's the same but it's also going to be different. So you're going to be like, oh, this is a lot like season one, and then it's going to be slightly askew. And whether that's in terms of characters who are back, but in surprising ways, or, oh, it looks like Kovach is going to be working on a mess murder, and then it takes surprising turns. So I guess short answer to your question is yes, although I think we're going to branch in some different directions than we did in season one. Now, I believe I heard you mention a minute ago the the term birth Kovach, and, and I, I, I love it because you, you know the fans were going to do it if you guys didn't establish something there. But uh, Joel Kinnaman's mannerisms have to figure into the interpretation of Kovach, and I'm wondering what did Anthony Mackie have to take on in that regard, or is it kind of a Doctor Who scenario where every sleeve pulls out different aspects of the Envoy's personality. Right. That's a really good question. I mean, because obviously Anthony is going to look at to Joel's performance, which was fantastic and really, um, you know, I think in some ways like iconic to setting the foundation of, a, of Kovach. But at the same time, he's going to make it his own and he wants to embody it. And he did. And he's fantastic. And I think the way I understand it as a writer, and I think what gives him room as an actor, is the Kovach from season one, who had lost Kel, who had been wandering, you know, and was cynical, or had been taken off ice, you know, and then he was solving this murder under duress, almost, of this billionaire he had disdain for, I mean, led to a kind of shutdown, almost like, not nihilistic, but, you know, like Kovach at a low point, like this is Kovach who doesn't, 
I don't know, can I curse on this podcast? Who doesn't have, yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. you know, he's not giving a shit about too much in season one. And then in season two, Kovach is actually, you know, he set off at the end of season one on a quest to find Cal. And in season two, he is going to be closer to the potential of finding her than he's ever been before. And just that proximity and where the story goes from there, he's actually going to have a lot more at stake than he had in season one. So the Kovach played by Anthony Mackie has a lot of shits to give. Like he really does care. So I think that allows for both a continuity between Kovaches, but also room for Anthony to come in and, and bring a different tones to the performance as well, just because you're seeing the character at a different moment in his, you know, super long lifetime. Yeah, and plus he probably gets a boost from that military grade sleeve he's wearing <laughs> in season two. Yes, yes, and he's got a he's got a tricked out new sleeve. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, uh, Richard K. Morgan, the author of Altered Carbon and Broken Angels and Woken Furies, has stated that the series is aiming for a five-season run. Are we looking at Broken Angels to provide any basis for season two? And what is the long-term plan for future seasons in that regard? Well, you know, I came on board and, and Lita and I had a, a Caligridis who created the show, had an overlap between us, and she had like a ton of ideas for season two that we began crafting together. And it was always she was of the mind that like, you know, Richard's books are un filmable kind of beat for beat, like just too expensive for television. We could never do it. But we, you know, I know she was inspired by and borrowing things and like really wanting to honor like the books, but at the same time, be able to craft a series that was filmable. And she was really open about that with, so the fans of the books are going to absolutely recognize elements, but we are not doing the story of Broken Angels. No. We are in that world, and we are telling a version of themes that are in Broken Angels, and characters will appear in moments, but we had to kind of, just for the sake of being able to do it, diverge also. Well, you know, you just said, uh, you know, that that the books are virtually unfilmable, which I I certainly understand. You know, as an outsider, does the technology that you have available start to make things easier and less expensive? Or is it almost the other way around that it becomes more expensive than using traditional sets and things like that? 
kind of both, I guess, you know, like on the one hand, like season one set a great bar, I think in terms of stunning visuals and great CGI and great vis effects. And we certainly, you know, carry that over into season two. And, but I think what helps is you want to, and, and, and you, you can do way more on television than you ever could, you know, with every passing year, you know, there's more that you, that you can do. But then there's a price tag to everything, so it becomes kind of choosing where you're going to spend the money and get the most bang for your buck, I guess. You know, like just you still have to be careful because it adds up fast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I read something that Morgan said about not being a fan of violence, but that he loves it in his entertainment. And, and certainly season one has its moments. How do you balance knowing what serves the story and maybe what's too much for your audience. And, you know, were there any scenes that you wanted to do and then backed away for whatever reason? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, not specifically, no. I mean, we definitely let the story drive. So, you know, all those sort of fight scenes or violence service the story and, and also are grounded in character and even our fights are if you look at the sort of the fight sequences and, and I want to say all, but at least I'll say for sure most of the episodes, there's something character revealing happening or, you know, as opposed to just violence for the sheer enjoyment of violence, like it, we wanted it to serve the story. And that said, we didn't want to be shy away from it either. So we wanted to be both unflinching, but have it be for a purpose in the narrative and the season one mystery, that involved a whole story about red light districts and sexualized violence, and that was part of the mystery. Season two's mystery leads to a very different place. So the world is still a violent one, but the violence is going to look different in season two. And in some ways, it's less about specific sexualized violence than it was in season one. Although, you know, there's elements of transgression or boundary crossing violence that, you know, even we have a sequence where an AI is violated in a way that is mental, but feels very violent. So, you know, it is still a violent world. And, and those are all questions we ask ourselves with every scene. Like, how is it serving the story? What is it revealing about character? Why is it here? You know, we just try and give it a purpose. Well, now I was excited to see that you are scripting the finale yourself. And I know it's a cooperative writer's room effort in general anyway. But I'm curious to know if you can tease whether or not season two is going to have some of those great moments that show us the the larger culture of the world and what the poor people might be doing, (laughs) the, the, the greater populace might be doing, even on Harlan's world. Right, right. Well, that's like one of the great things I feel like about Altered Carbon is it's sort of there's classes woven into it, like through and through. And we, we definitely tried to carry that through season two, both in terms of side characters that are sort of more main characters we're interacting with, but also people on our team. So like our, you're going to see like main characters in season two represent, you know, different class levels, you know, and, and certain people are going to be driven by their money issues and, you know, certain people can afford new sleeves and they have force-grown clones and step into pristine bodies and, 
then there's going to be a whole other, I want to say like lower, more working class of the populace that actually has to upgrade their own physical bodies with augments. And so our bounty hunter character, Trep, who is played by Simone Missick, she has an augment in her body. And, and that's, that's a different class almost than the mets you're used to seeing in season one. So, so yeah, we'll be, we'll be continuing to explore those distinctions and the different pressures people are under. All right, great. That's great to hear. Well, we want to thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today to talk about Altered Carbon Season 2. It starts on February 27th on Netflix. Thank you. Oh, thank you guys so much. and Hope to talk to you again soon. All right, Dave, I'm so glad that Allison was able to join us for this interview. And I thought it was very interesting there at the end that she made it clear that they used the Richard K. Morgan novels as a jumping off points, but really they're creating their entirely new storyline that was just inspired by those books. And I think that was probably the right choice given the material involved. Oh, yeah, because she doesn't have an unlimited budget with which to work. So, you know, you use what you can and and there's enough substance there that I'm just looking forward to it. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And of course, I think she really put some of my fears to rest about Anthony Mackie taking over the role of Kovach. We really enjoyed his incarnation in season one. And so it's it was big shoes to fill. But I think that my confidence has been renewed that Altered Carbon Season 2 is going to meet and possibly exceed our expectations. Absolutely. But, Dave, what topic do we have coming up next week that our listeners can get involved in? Well, Mike, we are going to take a look at charismatic vampires from genre television. And a lot of times when we do these discussion topics, we're scrambling to find six good entries Not going to be the case here. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised because it's a very specific topic. Charismatic vampires, not just vampires in general, not just bloodthirsty vampires. The ones that had a little bit of likability about them. I know we did likable villains as a discussion topic a couple of years ago, but this one is specific to the vampire world. And there are surprisingly large number of likable vampires out there. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk more about it in detail when we do the discussion topic, but but the idea of sexuality has always been associated with vampires, so there is that as well. Right, and good-looking actors playing some of these vampires. Yes. So I know the listeners are going to enjoy getting in on it. If you want to contribute to our discussion and be part of the podcast, uh, we'll definitely read your answers, your contributions out during our discussion if you come to our Facebook group and share your choices there. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash sci-fi fidelity. So join us for our charismatic vampires discussion next week. But that's it for this episode of sci-fi fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow den of geek on Twitter and Facebook at den of geek us. And we are at sci-fi fidelity. And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast, wherever you're accessing it. Be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics, either on social media or in an email to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. And in fact, next discussion topic we did get from a listener. So thank you, Maureen, for getting in touch on Twitter. We'll have your discussion topic next month. But thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.